uh, on uh, the commands of Christ, uh, where, we're, where we're trying to learn how we can become disciples, uh, better followers uh, of Jesus. And uh, after this morning, we've got just two weeks to go. It's been a long haul through these, and believe it or not, we've condensed a lot of these together. So uh, there are a lot of them. And as I said a couple of weeks ago, my hope is that we're actually learning how to put these things into practice and, and actually become better followers of Jesus. Next week, we've got a special guest uh, who will be with us, uh, Brian Skunterwatten. And I know that's probably not exactly how to say his name, uh, but I've, I've tried to, to represent it uh, fairly well. Uh, he's going to be with us. Some of you know Brian and his story of... Um, surviving a, a burn accident uh, where the doctors gave him uh, one-tenth of one percent chance of surviving. And yet Brian did survive. And uh, Brian is a devoted follower of Jesus, loves God's word, and will be sharing with us how uh, his accident actually provided him with opportunities to tell others about Jesus and he's going to be challenging us uh, to do the same, to let our light shine. Uh, this morning, we're going to be talking uh, about light as well. We're going to be looking at Jesus' command to walk in the light. And we're going to be looking at several passages of Scripture. Uh, but we're going to start in chapter 12 of John's Gospel. John chapter 12, that's on page 865 of the Bibles that the ushers handed out. And just before uh, we look together at this command and, and wrestle through it, let me lead us in prayer. Uh, Lord, as, as we have just sung, we, we thank you uh, for your word. We thank you that you speak to us. And we pray this morning that you would do that. We pray that you would speak to each one of us in a way that we would understand that we have heard from the living God. And that we will do something with that. Pray that we would uh, have soft hearts to receive what you have to say to us this morning. And that that would change us. That we would leave different than when we came in this morning. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, John chapter 12 uh, is sort of a roller coaster of um, activity and, and emotions um, that, that, that John tells us about uh, concerning Jesus. It, it begins just after Jesus has raised Lazarus from the dead, pretty big event there in chapter 11. Uh, and, and John tells us that there's a, a dinner being hosted uh, at the home of Lazarus and his sisters, Mary and Martha, uh, in honor of Jesus, sort of celebrating what Jesus has done in Lazarus's life. And, and uh, during dinner, Mary pours out this expensive bottle of perfume on Jesus's feet and, of course, some of the disciples think, that what a, what, a, what a waste this is. This could have been sold and, and given to the poor. 
Um, Jesus says, no, uh, what she's done is a beautiful thing. She has actually anointed my body for burial before I even die. Uh, something that, that probably was a little confusing uh, to the disciples. John moves from the dinner table to this triumphal entry, we call it, of Jesus into Jerusalem where the crowds are shouting out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. It's fascinating to me that in just a few short days, these same crowds would say, crucify him. We have no king but Caesar. It's amazing to me. On the heels of the the cheers from the crowd, uh, Jesus predicts for the fourth time his own death, and and the mood has shifted. Jesus tells the, the crowd that his soul is deeply troubled. He wonders out loud in front of the crowd if he should pray to God to save him from this death. Of course, the crowds are confused. In verse 34, they say, we understood from Scripture that the Messiah would live forever. How can you say that the Son of Man will die? Just who is this Son of Man anyway? Who are you talking about? You see, Jesus didn't fit the ideal that the people had of a Messiah, this this conquering hero who would overthrow the oppressive Roman government. And Jesus' response is, is sort of cryptic. It doesn't seem to directly answer their question. Verse 35, Jesus says, The light is with you just a little longer. Walk in the light while you can, so the darkness will not overtake you. Those who walk in the darkness cannot see where they are going. Put your trust in the light while there is still time. Then you will become children of the light. Kind of a puzzling answer to their question, just who is this Son of Man? I was thinking about light and and darkness this week, I was, I was trying to remember uh, the darkest dark that I had ever experienced. And I initially thought of some places that I've been hiking or fishing, like in, in central or eastern Oregon, right, where, where there's very little light pollution. And it, it gets pretty dark at night, especially if there's some cloud cover. I remembered this one time that, that my friend Jeff and I drove to Burns, Oregon. And uh, on the way home, Jeff was driving. We were on this long, long straightaway. And Jeff decided to turn off the headlights. It was pretty dark out there. I mean, it was a lot of cloud cover, no, no moon, no stars. It was really, really dark. And I kind of freaked out. I said, Jeff, knock it off. You're going to get us in a wreck, right? And so instead of driving in the dark, Jeff stopped, and then he turned off the car. I thought it was dark before, but, you know, there's all kinds of things illuminating even the the interior of of a car. It was really, really dark. But, you know, after about a minute, our eyes began to adjust, 
And, and we could see off the side of the road. I mean, it wouldn't have been safe for driving, but we, we easily could have walked around out there in the... Not that you would want to walk around out there in the middle of... No, I mean, there's coyotes and all kinds of scary things out there. The other night, Becky reminded me that when our kids were little, we took a trip across the U.S. Uh, by car. Our destination was Washington, D.C., but we stopped along the way to see many of the great monuments and, and natural wonders um, that, that we have in our great country. And one of those natural wonders that we stopped at was Mammoth Cave in Kentucky. Any, any of you ever been there? Oh, you need to go. It's, it's pretty amazing. Uh, initially, Mammoth Cave got its name because of the size of the, uh, the, the first sort of room or opening, chamber, yeah, uh, as, you, as you come into the main entrance. Over the years, Mammoth uh, proved to be a really fitting name because they keep discovering more and more miles of, of passageways. Uh, to date, they've mapped over 420 miles. That's a lot, right? Of these underground connecting passageways. Well, we took a tour, uh, and, and we, we took a tour of one section of the cave uh, that didn't get into really narrow uh, spaces because my wife is claustrophobic, and she says, no way to that. But after we had gone, I think, about a half a mile in, the, the tour guide stopped, and he turned off the lights. Um, that was really, really dark. And if I remember right, he left them off for about five minutes. And even after five minutes, there was no adjusting uh, you know, to that darkness. It was pitch black. I mean, you, you could not see your hand right in front of your face. You knew there were people around you, but you couldn't see them. And what, what started as sort of humorous, you know, and everyone kind of, oh, pretty soon became really creepy and oppressive, the, the, the blackness that was in there. Um, there are dead people in Mammoth Cave. Um, people who tried to navigate in the dark uh, and, and lost their way. There are bodies of those who, who stepped off a ledge and, and fell into a pit or into some underground river. Jesus was right when he said, people who walk in the darkness can't see where they're going. It can be really deadly uh, to wander around in the dark. Of course, Jesus wasn't talking about physical darkness, was he? He was talking about a spiritual darkness, uh, a darkness that can be even more deadly uh, than wandering around in Mammoth Cave. And, and there are at least two questions, I think, that we need to ask ourselves when we hear uh, this command of Jesus to walk in the light. And the, and the first one is this, what is the light that Jesus was talking about? And secondly, how does one walk in the light? So to understand uh, that, that first question, what is the light that Jesus was talking about, we have to go back into the Old Testament 
quite a ways. So uh, about 800 years uh, before Jesus came on the scene, the prophet Isaiah uh, wrote about the coming Messiah, uh, a king who would rule a different kind of kingdom. Uh, the section that Diane uh, just read for us uh, is a passage that we usually read during the Advent season or at Christmas time uh, or sing in Handel's Messiah. But, but verse 2, I, I don't know if you caught it uh, when she read it, but Isaiah says this, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. A light has dawned on those living in the land of darkness. A great light. What is that? Well, he's talking about the Messiah. 800 years later, the Apostle John would draw a straight line from that prophecy to Jesus when he said, Life was in him, and that life was the light of all people. That light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. John chapter 1. And it will become more and more clear as John writes this account of Jesus' life that he believes that the great light that Isaiah was talking about is Jesus. Jesus is the great light that would shine on the people walking in darkness. So Isaiah says that the light is the Messiah. John says that the light is Jesus, the Messiah. And then in John chapter 8, Jesus himself says it, I think as directly as you, you possibly could when he says, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So let me ask you, when Jesus says, walk in the light, what is the light that he is talking about? Okay, do we need to go back to Isaiah? And, and do this? Who is the light? Jesus is the light. And, and act, I mean, you're chuckling, but that's really important. If we're going to walk in the light, we have to understand what that light is. And so the very first step in obeying this command to walk in the light is to recognize who the light is. And it's Jesus. But Jesus' command isn't simply to believe that he is the light. His command is to walk in the light. So how do we do that? Well, let's go back to John chapter 12 and, and see what uh, Jesus says. In verse 35, Jesus says to walk in the light. He, he says it again, only slightly differently in verse 36. There he says, put your trust in in the light. Some of your translations might say believe in the light, but the, the word underneath this is a word that means belief in action. Jaron, you and I have talked about this word before. Belief in action. It, it, it's a belief that places its trust, its faith in something. Some of you have seen the uh, the illustration before of, of a chair and, and saying, yeah, I believe that's a chair. I believe that that chair would support even my big weight, right? That's all theoretical until I sit in that chair, right? I place my trust in that chair. That's the kind of belief uh, that we're talking 
about here, a belief that, that places its, its trust in. Um, so walking in the light means both believing that Jesus is the light and trusting that his path, his way is better than walking around in the dark. It's choosing to live in his light instead of seeing how well we can survive wandering around in the dark on our own. Make sense? One of the most famous deaths in Mammoth Cave is, is a, a guy named Floyd Collins. Um, what's, what's interesting is that Floyd didn't fall to his death in a pit or into some underground river. Floyd got stuck. Uh, Floyd was driven by greed. This was in 1925, and a lot of people were trying to find another main entrance into Mammoth Cave so that they could cash in on the tourism that was beginning to just explode around Mammoth Cave. So Floyd was driven by greed to find another opening and, and cash in on the, on the tourism that would follow. And so he moved further and further away from the light, further away from the opening to the cave. Uh, he walked and he crawled and then he shimmied through this really narrow passage and got stuck. He couldn't go forward, but he also couldn't go backwards. He was just stuck. And, and it took uh, rescuers two weeks to get to him. And when they finally did, uh, again, he hadn't died because of falling into a pit or getting crushed by a boulder or anything like that. He died of uh, thirst, starvation, and hypothermia. He just stayed there too long. You know, wandering around in spiritual darkness can be a lot like that. I think that's why Jesus says, while you can, while there is still time. Uh, there's a sense in which that was especially true for the people that Jesus was talking to when he said these words. Um, he, he wasn't going to be walking around Galilee teaching these people anymore. Uh, the, the people that he was talking to were running out of time. But, you know, friends, we can run out of time. Uh, we, we can get so entrenched in, in sin and darkness that we just, well, we get used to living there. We prefer to stay there maybe even. And Paul says in Romans that there can come a time where God just says, fine, live there. Live there in the dark. Die in the dark. So I think Jesus would say to all of us this morning, trust in the light while there's still time. Because for all of us, our days are numbered. We know that. We don't know how long we'll have to put our trust in the light. Well, the Apostle John uh, wrote more about walking in the light in the first of his three epistles to the Christians living uh, in and around Ephesus. First uh, John 1 sheds more light on, on what it means to walk in the light. So as we're trying to figure this out, uh, what, is, what does it mean? So go ahead and turn to First John if you'd like.
And beginning in verse 5, John says this. Now this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light and there is absolutely no darkness in him. If we say we have fellowship with him yet walk in darkness, we're lying and are not practicing the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. I... um, I watched uh, an Andy Stanley uh, series this week called Guardrails on Right Now Media. Um, it's been quite a while since we've mentioned Right Now Media. How many of you have a, have a login to Right Now Media? Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. So it looks like most of you either have no idea what I'm talking about or you didn't care about it when we talked about it last time. But... Um, so let me, let me just tell you what this is. Right Now Media is a Christian video library that, that Grace has purchased a license for, which means that all of you uh, have free access to all of those videos. I think there's somewhere over 10,000 of them, right? So if you're a young family, uh, Right Now Media has um, uh, videos for, for children, little children. They've got videos for youth, for men, for women, for couples. Really, you name it, uh, and they've got a video to cover uh, a Christian perspective on, on that topic. If you don't have a login, which is almost everybody in this room, uh, and you would like one, just write that on your connection card. Just write, right now, media. And uh, we'll get a hold of you with information on how you can um, uh, get a login, a free login uh, for that. And there's just, like I said, all kinds of resources there. Anyway, Andy Stanley in in this series called Guardrails says that too many Christians keep asking the question, how close can I get to sin without actually sinning? I don't know if that's nervous laughter. I think Andy Stanley is pretty on target with that. A lot of people want to know how, where is that line? How close can I get to that line without actually stepping over it and committing some horrible sin? Right? It's a horrible question. This is the wrong question. We should not be asking ourselves, how close can I get to that line? We should be asking ourselves, how can I walk in the light? How can I be moving toward the light? And it, as it turns out, it's a, it's a horrible way to live your life. It's kind of like wandering around in Mammoth Cave with a, a little book of paper matches, right? Hoping that you won't fall over a cliff just as one of those goes out. That's not what we're meant for. We're meant to be children of light who walk in the light. In fact, here in verse 6, John says that the person who claims to be a Christian, claims to have fellowship with God, 
but continues to walk in the darkness, continues to ask that question, how close can I get and, and not cross that line? That person is a liar. The person who says, yeah, I'm a Christian. I prayed that prayer. I walked down the aisle during the altar call. I, whatever you did to, to signify that you believed. John says, if that person continues to walk in the dark or continues to see how close they can get to sin without actually sinning, that person's a liar. They're not actually a Christian. But, he says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, what? We have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from our sins, restoring then our fellowship with God. This is a really important uh, truth here that you all need to understand. Your personal sin, my personal sin, affects all of us. So that, that lie you tell yourself, I'm not really hurting anyone, pfft, not true. You're hurting all of us. doesn't matter how private it is. We, we break fellowship, actually, not only with this body, but with God when we do that. John says it a little bit differently in verse 8. He says, if we say we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we, say, if we don't, excuse me, if we say we don't have any sin, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So, not only are we liars, not only do we deceive ourselves, we make God out to be a liar. I said earlier that trusting in the light means uh, choosing to live in his light in, instead of seeing how well we can survive wandering around in the dark on our own. Here John intensifies the language. It's not just trusting that the way of Jesus is better John says that it's confessing that our way is actually sin. It's not a word we like, but that's what John says. And what does confessing mean? It's a word that just means to agree with God about our sin. Uh, homo logeo is, is the word. Homo, same, logeo, word. It means to say the same thing. We are saying the same thing about our sin as God does. So when we confess, we're not saying, oops, I kind of messed up there. Shouldn't have done that probably. I'll try harder next time. When we confess, we're agreeing with God that that thing was sin. That we chose darkness over light. That we chose something else over Jesus, who is the light. The key word there is chose. Friends, we don't, we don't sort of just wander 
into sin. We don't just sort of fall into it or slip into it. We choose it. It may have been a series of, of seemingly insignificant choices that I made that, that got me here, but I chose it, and I'm responsible for my choice. But again, here's the good news. We have this wonderful, wonderful promise that when we confess our sin to God, when we agree with God that, that walking in the dark is sin, what does he do? He forgives us. We talked about forgiveness a couple of weeks ago. He forgives us and he cleanses us. And every time we do that, we move toward the light more and more. And eventually we become what Jesus calls children of light. So we've seen that we have to recognize who the light is. We've seen that we have to put our trust in the light. And we've seen that children of light, one of their characteristics is that they confess their sin to God when they choose darkness over light. I want us to look at one more aspect of, of walking in the light this morning. The Apostle Paul picks up on Jesus' command to walk in the light in his letter to the Ephesians. Uh, in Ephesians chapter 5, uh, the, the chapter opens up with, with Paul talking about uh, sinful thoughts, sinful actions, uh, sinful speech. And then he says this, verse 8, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light results in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, discerning what is pleasing to the Lord. It's really interesting here that Jesus, uh, uh, that, that Paul doesn't say, you were once in darkness. What does he say? You were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Where we live defines us. Where we walk defines us. If we live in the darkness, if we walk in the darkness, we become darkness. But if we live and walk in the light, we become light. Not in and of ourselves, but light in the Lord, right? And so Paul says, walk as children of light, and then what's interesting is Paul says that that light has fruit. Light has fruit. Walking in the light results in or, or produces a certain kind of fruit. What is that? Paul says, all goodness, righteousness, and truth, discerning what is pleasing to the Lord. The goodness that Paul speaks of here has to do with doing good to others. It's, it's sometimes, this word in Scripture is translated as generosity toward others, right? The word for righteousness is not so much about being holy and pure, certainly something we are to be, but uh, here it means justice, sort of like uh, in Micah 6, 8, where we're told to do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with our God. And the third fruit Paul lists here is truth. It's interesting, uh, in, in 1 John, John said that when we claim to be Christians but walk in the dark, we're liars. 
Paul says that walking as children of light makes us truth tellers and that we're able to discern what's pleasing to God and what isn't. We're, we're more and more able to discern where the light is when we walk in the light. You know, I, I used the, the example of driving to Burns with, with my friend, and it was pretty dark out there, but after a minute or so, we, our eyes began to adjust. I, I think that we probably would have said, it's not as light as it was when the sun was out, but we can still see. We could still walk around. Probably shouldn't drive, but we're okay. Very different feeling than I had in Mammoth Cave in that utter darkness. And you see, this is what happens to us sometimes spiritually. We, we lose a sense of what the light is. It's incremental. We come over here, it's not quite as light as it was over there. And, and then maybe we do that again and again and again. The person standing over there said, man, dude, you're in the dark. No, I can see okay, right? Do you see how we do that? And we do it spiritually as well. I want to say this, too, about walking in the light. Um, walking in the light, what we're, what we're not talking about here this morning is some sort of sin management device, right? Uh, this is not a form of legalism that says, don't do that, don't touch that, don't watch that, don't say that, don't think that. That's not what Jesus and John and, and Paul are talking about. Walking as children of light is what those who are in Christ do. It's just who they are. Does it mean we never sin? Of course not. But when we do, we don't rationalize it. We don't excuse it. We confess it. We agree with God about what it really is. And then we get back to pursuing the light who is Jesus. And as we do, we produce fruit that is beneficial to everyone around us. John put it in terms of having fellowship with one another. Paul uses terms that suggest generosity and justice and truth speaking. So what's the takeaway uh, this morning? The command is, is pretty straightforward. I mean, it's not super complicated, right? Walk in the light. What does that mean? Well, first of all, it means that we have to recognize that Jesus is the light. Walking in the light has everything to do with Jesus. Pursuing him, getting closer to him, following him. Secondly, we have to put our trust in the light. And this is more than just acknowledging that Jesus is the light. We have to trust that his way is better than our way. We have to trust in him for this eternal life. Not, and that's not just forever life. It's a quality of life. Jesus called it abundant life. 
We have to trust that that's actually what he provides instead of whatever we think the darkness provides. We have to trust him with control of our lives, something a lot of us have a really hard time with. Saying, yeah, Jesus, you you know better than I. It's scary right now, but I'm going to trust you. Uh, The third thing I would say, walking in the light means is that when we, when we find ourselves choosing the darkness over the light, and, and I really want you to frame it that way, that is what you're doing when you sin. You're choosing darkness over light. You're making a choice to do this thing instead of follow Jesus. It's not an oops. When we do that, we have to confess it as sin. And then receive the forgiveness and the cleansing that he offers. And then lastly, as we walk as children of light, we produce fruit. Fruit that benefits those around us. And and more and more we discover what is pleasing to God. And so more and more we walk in the light. I'm going to close in prayer. just before I do, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to ask us just to close our eyes here and just take a moment to take some stock of, of where we are, each of us. If you're a Christian here this morning who's been walking in the light and producing fruit that comes from being in the light... Um, I want to encourage you to keep walking in that way. Don't stop. Uh, just, Just a few verses after Paul says to walk as children of light, he says, so be very careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. The days are dark. They're evil. Don't drop your guard. Keep on walking in the light. This morning, if you're a person who has claimed to be a Christian, but you have been living and walking in the darkness, I want to warn you, you need to stop. John uses harsh language. He calls such people liars. But he also offers a way out. And that way is to confess, to agree with God about what is really going on, that you're, you're actually playing with sin and someday it's going to kill you. You're going to get stuck in it like Floyd Collins in the cave. So get out while you can. Come back to the light of life and, and determine to walk in the light and, and stop playing around in the dark. And then, and then finally, if you're here this morning and you've never recognized Jesus as the light, never trusted in him as the light for the abundant life that he promises, I want to say to you what Jesus said. Don't wait. Put your trust in the light while there is still time. 
And that can be done by simply telling him that that's what you want to do and asking him for his help to keep walking that that way. I I don't do this very often, but I'd just like to lead us in a prayer of placing our trust in Jesus as a light. If, If you've done this before, Nothing wrong with reaffirming that. Uh, if, if you've done it, but you're dabbling in darkness, pray this prayer with me. If, if you've never done that, you've never trusted Jesus as the light, don't wait. Just, just pray this in your heart as I pray out loud. Jesus, I I want to live in the light. I'm tired of living in the dark. It's not life-giving there. I I believe this morning that you are the light of the world and, and that real life comes from you. I want that. Truly in my heart of hearts, Jesus, that's what I want. I want to follow you all the days of my life. Learn to love you. Learn to love others the way you do. Please help me do that. Amen.